This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle, uh, recording this podcast uh, on location in the Pocono Mountains. Uh, So forgive me if the sound quality is just a little off. Uh, In a moment, we're going to hear from uh, my co-host, Dan Murphy, as we have a discussion looking back on the first half of 2017. It's sort of a first half year Uh, in review, and also we look ahead to to the second half of 2017 and beyond. What are some uh, matches and other highlights that we're looking forward to? Uh, A fun discussion, as always. Uh, After that, uh, got a very newsworthy interview that might seem a little out of date uh, considering when it it took place. Uh, Last Thursday, I uh, talked to then-WWE Cruiserweight star, Austin Aries, who by Friday was no longer a WWE uh, employee, uh, the news broke of his release. Uh, again, still very newsworthy, maybe even more so um, if you read between the lines of, you know, e- even before hearing the news of his WWE release, I sensed something in this interview, and maybe um, you do too, uh, again, especially when it came to discussing how he felt about the Cruiserweight division, his portrayal, 205 Live his placement on uh, WrestleMania, um, and over the last week, some of those issues have surfaced as maybe some some pressure points that uh, might have contributed to him parting ways with WWE. Uh, Again, as far as I knew, he was happily employed at the time, so it's nothing I I probe too deeply on, uh, but but given the news for the last week, I think uh, you will all find the the interview uh, very newsworthy uh and he's uh, promoting a, a book and i don't know if, if maybe that's got something to do with it too but but he uh, already has some ventures lined up after wwe actually promoting a book about um nutrition and his vegan lifestyle it's called food fight uh definitely worth checking it uh checking it out and and we talked about it at length so tune in for that in just a moment uh before we get to that and, and get to my discussion with dan i want to tell you a bit about the latest issue of pro wrestling illustrated that i believe just dropped if you're a subscriber you might have it already in your hands, um, in your mailbox. Uh, otherwise, you can go to pwi-online.com, either order it or subscribe. And the longer you subscribe, the deeper the savings. Uh, you can do that at pwi-online.com. Uh, let's take a quick look at the October issue that features Brock Lesnar on the cover, WWE's $6 million man. It is a feature I wrote about uh, how much he makes, according to Forbes at least, and also looking at some of the other top money makers in WWE. Uh, a fun article uh, that, that looks at a subject matter that maybe we don't talk about uh, that much, and that is uh, the, the salaries of some of the biggest stars in wrestling and whether they're worth what they make. Uh, other uh, features in the magazine, we've got a hot seat interview with uh, former TNA champion and current NXT champion Bobby Roode. Uh, we've got a feature on Impact star Moose. Uh, on Silas Young, we've got a feature on 25 NXT stars to watch on NWA champion Tim Storm, and also our annual look at the ECWA Super 8 tournament this year won by Sean Carr. So uh, you see it right there between everything from from ECWA to NWA to NXT to Impact, Ring of Honor, and beyond. 
a real kind of diverse issue. Uh, it's one of the benefits of kind of being in between the big uh, uh, staple projects that we do each year, whether it's the 500, which is the, the issue that will come out after this one, uh, or the, the female 50, the report card. Uh, this is one of the, the rare kind of off-month or, or off-issues where we, we don't have one of those, and it gave us some room to tackle some subjects and some promotions that then maybe um, typically don't get that much attention. So definitely a, a fun issue worth checking out. Again, the place to go is pwi-online.com. Pick up the one issue, subscribe for longer savings, um, either print or digital, and of course the new PWI mobile app uh, really customizes the magazine for your uh, digital mobile device. Looks fantastic on your iPhone, your tablet, what have you. Uh, so definitely check it out. Uh, while you've got that computer open or that phone on, um, subscribe uh, or, or follow us on Twitter at OfficialPWI. Find us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast at uh, iTunes. Um, or you could listen to it, obviously, at pwi-online.com and send us an email here at the podcast, pwipodcast at outlook.com. All right, Dan, how are you? Joining me uh, in transit, I believe this is your uh, annual pilgrimage to uh, Chicago for the big shimmer show there, right? I am, yeah. I'm driving through a uh, thunderstorm and uh, on the it- Slick roads with a lot of traffic, and uh, and hopefully about nine hours I'll be in uh, scenic Berwyn, Illinois for Shimmer. So uh, wish me luck. And how long is the trip for you altogether? A little, about nine and a half hours. Okay. Uh, wow, gosh. I remember last year, didn't you make it like right around Bell Time or something? Oh, my God. Yeah, last year uh, I drove up with um, a, a crew of uh, women wrestlers from Ontario and, uh, well, uh, Rosemary, um, Allie, um, uh, from Global Force, TNA, Global Force Now, uh, and, uh, who, uh, uh, Sandra Bell and Casey Spinelli. And, uh, we hit traffic in Ohio. Apparently, uh, some truck had, had carrying hydrogen or something. I don't know. Something Gosh. blew up. Because <laughs> <That sounds laughs> so it was full of, full of hydrogen transport trucks. I was going to say, but, uh, history we were, shows where the hydrogen explodes. It, it could be kind of a problem. Yeah, it's not good. It, it's definitely not good. But whatever it was, the, the truck, uh, we were at standstill traffic, literally like a parking lot for about three hours in uh, Chicago. Uh, luckily, there was a, um, a camper in front of us, and um, people were running over there knocking on the door, and they were letting him in to use the bathroom on the camper. So that kind of saved, you know, you're driving with four women, and, you know, they have to pee, and, you know, so... We are lucky enough to be stranded behind a camper, and uh, but we rolled in right before the show started. They managed to get in there, and it all worked out in the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, fantastic. I hope you have a good time. Uh, just before we went on, I uh, was talking a bit about the, the women's tournament. Um, I, I know all the names are not finalized, but do you think that, again, that WWE's latest uh, attempt to really put women's wrestling out there makes events like these uh, uh, more relevant, puts it more on the radar? I mean, Sort of like with the cruiserweights uh, a year ago, uh, for, for women in the independent scene, it sounds like there there is more of a brass ring. There's something out there that they could really strive to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, for women's wrestling right now, I don't think it's ever been hotter, or I don't think there's ever been as many opportunities for women. Um, it, it's funny, ironically enough, going to Shimmer, uh, I've been going for six or seven years now, maybe a little bit more, um, trying to come out whenever I can. But you had kind of the, the founding 
pioneers, the, the founding mothers, I guess, of, of uh, <laughs> Shimmer. People like Allison Danger and Lufisto and cheerleader Melissa, and they're they kind of missed the boom. Um, you know, if if this were ten years ago, they'd be Sarah Del Rey. They'd be signed right away, and uh, mm -hmm. they they never got their opportunity. But they paved the way for uh, people like Paige, uh, Asuka, a lot of those women who are have gone on to WWE and NXT through Shimmer um, up to this point. Um, but yeah, with the, the May Young Classic coming up, uh, Shimmer now has Rise, kind of an affiliated uh, theater system that they're working on. Uh, there's more opportunities than ever for women on the Indies. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you have a, a good time at the show. Um, so the, the women's tournament is something that uh, we got to look forward to in the second half of 2017. And uh, seeing as how we are pretty much in the halfway point, I thought a fun thing to do would be to uh, look ahead a little bit and also look back. Talk about the first half in 2017. Uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated uh, does a great job of uh, recapping the year in the Year in Wrestling uh, Awards uh, that comes out early in the year. Uh, but we don't have that much of an opportunity often to talk about kind of the first half of the year um, and, and looking ahead to the second half. So I thought we, we'd do that a bit. And, um, well, I got some, some news stories that I just jotted down, uh, and I thought I'd run by you in terms of what do you think one of the bigger uh, stories is in 2017, the bigger performances, a couple things that I've got here. Uh, and as always, these are always, you know, when you, when you jot these down, more recent ones uh, come up. Uh, but earlier in the year, obviously, WrestleMania, uh, we had The Undertaker's likely retirement. Um, WrestleMania as a whole, you know, mixed reviews. We've talked about that. Um, the the uh, the brand split shakeup that was soon after uh, WrestleMania, the return of the Hardys uh, to WWE. Um, more recently, Jinder Mahal becoming a very unlikely WWE champion. Uh, and then with the other companies, uh, the, the latest reboot of Impact uh, with Jeff Jarrett returning. We just got the news of, of I guess, it being officially rebranded Global Force. Um, and uh, what else? And then a, a big one has, has been New Japan, for sure, that um, just seems to, to be getting better and better, and, and uh, certainly Okada and, and Omega uh, now what looks to be a likely trilogy with another match coming up as part of the G1. So uh, there's there's a lot there. You know, what, what stands out to you is kind of the most memorable, biggest story coming out of the first half of 2017. Wow. I mean, you kind of touched on everything right there, I, I think. Um, I, I know, well, you know, going into uh, the second half, the thing I'm most excited about is Samoa Joe and, and Brock Lesnar, and I'd like to see mm -hmm. uh, more than just a one-off on that. Uh, but before we go forward, let's go back. Um I don't know. I guess the biggest thing, I don't know. It, it would have to probably be uh, John Cena uh, proposing to Nikki Bella. But John Cena, you know, did, did uh, obviously make news too with, with him tying tying Ric Flair's 15 title reign. And I know there's all kinds of questions about how legitimate that is. But, but you know, in, in the WWE, you know, mythology, it's a real thing and uh, a big deal that, that they finally allowed John Cena to tie it. Um, but also, you know, it's, it, and that's kind of a story in of itself, that he hasn't really been much of a presence in the first half of 2017. And obviously just came back this past uh, week on, on SmackDown, so, so he may be 
uh, more of a factor in the second half. Um, let, let me ask, I guess I'll, I'll grab one thing uh, uh, out of here. Um, WrestleMania uh, uh, 33, I think that's what we're up to, right? Uh, now a little time away from it. The news that came out of it, you mentioned uh, Cena, Nikki Bella, Undertaker uh, retiring, Goldberg uh, losing to Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar winning the Universal title. Now, again, a few months removed, uh, any different view about kind of its historical significance and, and how it will be looked back on as part of 2017? You know, I thought it was a great event. I loved it. I mean, uh, again, I was there live. We did a, a podcast with me from the bowels of the arena. Um, but uh, it is kind of forgettable as you really kind of look back. I mean, the, the Brock Lesnar-Goldberg uh, match is completely forgettable. I, I mean, I was there, and I forgot that it happened. Um, even the Triple H-Seth uh, Rollins match just really it – was, it was good at the time, but it's certainly not like the classic that you'll always remember. Uh, I think the thing that everybody will remember, not even so much that Undertaker lost to Roman Reigns, but it was Undertaker leaving. His exit was probably the most traumatic uh, moment of the show, uh, other than the surprise when the Hardys returned. Um, yeah. And, again, even AJ Styles versus Shane McMahon was, uh, again, very good at the time, but uh, utterly meaningless, really, in terms of overall impact and relevance. I hadn't so even thought about it until show. you just mentioned it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good show, but it wasn't really consequential to anything long-term. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm not even sure I'd call it a, a good show. I actually think it's been really a number of years since WrestleMania really had uh, a good show. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that in, in putting together you know, the candidates for, for match of the year, it used to be a gimme that, that um, at least one and, and likely the winner would come out of WrestleMania and uh, now you really ha- you got to go back years uh, to the last time that I think there was really like a fantastic match of the year level five star match out of WrestleMania, and um, I I think maybe that's going to be by design. I mean, pretty clearly they've moved away from WrestleMania being the culmination of great feuds and matches that you want to see and that kind of thing, and really it is. Uh, now about uh, just the, the brand and the spectacle, uh, you know, more than ever, getting everybody on on the show to back to, you know, three-way matches, four-way matches, battle royal, six-way matches. Uh, and, and maybe the brand has increased. I mean, it gets to be more and more of a spectacle every year. Uh, but, again, I think you've got to go back, in my opinion, probably to 2012. That was talking five years ago for the last great WrestleMania match. Um, with, which to me was Triple H and uh, The Undertaker and Helena Fell with Shawn Michaels as a referee. I think you weren't crazy about that match, right? No, no, I, I was. Again, I didn't, I didn't care for those because, again, it's a smoke and mirrors kind of match. And, you know, I'd rather see an underrated WrestleMania match for me was uh, Shawn Michaels against Kurt Angle from, you know, many years back now. Going back even further, was, 12 years, yeah. Yeah. But that was a match that wasn't the main event. It was, uh, I forget what the main event was that year. But I remember watching that match and just sitting there and thinking, you know, this is what wrestling should be. This is what I like. And it wasn't the gimmickry of the Hell in a Cell or the special referee or all the crazy bumps. It was just um, two superior athletes telling a great story. Um, So I I don't care for a lot of the Hell in a Cell stuff or the Elimination Chamber, I think, is garbage and, and stuff like that. But... Um, you know, that's the kind of match that I look at as a classic. 
something like that. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah. We haven't seen that on the WrestleMania stage for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a bit about, I mentioned New Japan, and uh, again, it's been just a super, super year for New Japan, certainly in terms of match quality uh, and breaking out performances. And uh, the interesting thing is that, you know, it was, what, a year, year and a half ago that there was some real concern about the future of New Japan because of the departures of Nakamura and AJ Styles and Gallows and Anderson. And, um, you know, they haven't missed a beat and and uh, along the way created some stars. And I think one of the biggest, if not, for me, the, the biggest story of the year, uh, uh, and, and, you know, it's going to continue into the second half of the year, is Omega and Okada. Um, did you get to see the, the second match of the, the draw? I have not seen the draw yet, no. Yeah. I've seen some highlights of it. I've read about it. I haven't watched it from beginning to end yet. Yeah, I mean, just amazing. There, there were people who were calling the first match um, uh, the best match of all time, and there was, a lot of those people said that the second match uh, was even better. Uh, I was talking to Kevin about it on the last, last podcast. Um, really fantastic, and now we've got word about um, the, the trilogy match uh, coming up. And I, I bet there's a good chance that there would be a fourth match um, at, at Tokyo Dome over New Year's. So uh, talk a bit about, you know, Omega and Okada um, as a feud, as uh, individual performers. I remember interviewing um, uh, Kenny Omega shortly after the, we put together last year's PWI 500 and him not being crazy about his placement, feeling that he deserves to be a lot higher. And uh, I think he's got a hell of an argument for being much, much higher this year. I, I missed that with the rain. I'm sorry. For who being higher this year? Kenny Omega. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. Kenny Omega. I mean, he, he really, he's been a fantastic in-ring competitor, obviously. I mean, he's, he's a great wrestler. The thing is, this was the year he really ratcheted things up and became the top contender. He really took over that role as the leader of the Bullet Club, earned the title shot, and, and proved that he can hang in there with Okada. I, I think this was the year during this kind of grading period that he, he really proved himself as a main event guy. And I think that's definitely going to be reflected in the 500. Um, I, you know, I think that we've already, with just the two matches between uh, Omega and Okada, you've kind of got the, the modern day, whether you call it Flair Steamboat or um, uh, Masawa, Kawada, you've got that epic rivalry where every match is, is an event. And um, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out over the coming months and long term because these may be two guys who are connected at the hip for a while, uh, whether that's, you know, if they both end up in WWE, if they both remain in New Japan, this rivalry may last for a, a long time because they bring out the best in each other. Yeah, yeah. And Okada already had one of those uh, rivalries with Tanahashi and um, you know, yes. Right, and they had so many amazing matches, and we thought it couldn't get much better than that. And, yeah, now he's creating magic all over again um, with Omega. Uh, I'll talk a bit about Okada, the year he's had, and what could be uh, in store for him. You know, whenever a guy reaches a certain level, people start to talk, you know, whether WWE is in his future. And, and I guess, you know, there was some news in him being um, backstage at Raw, uh, I guess, a week or so ago. Uh, when New Japan was in California and, and Raw was uh, as well. Um, so uh, what do you think of Okada's year, not just his year, but, but what it's done for his legacy and, and what might be ahead for him in the second half of the year? 
it's, it's tough because he's still a young guy. Um, I think right now he's got a really good spot in New Japan. I mean, he's, he's unquestionably the top dog over there. If he goes to WWE, you know, I mean, look, look at uh, Nakamura. Nakamura was one of the top three guys over in New Japan, comes over to WWE, spends eight months or so in developmental, and is still not a main event guy yet in WWE. And it's not for lack of skill. He's arguably one of the top two, three wrestlers in the company. It's just that he hasn't had that opportunity. So I think long-term Okada will end up in WWE because there's money to be made there. But I think for the immediate future, New Japan's going to be his place. And, you know, he's got another 15 years more, perhaps, ahead of him uh, where he can be a, a very viable top performer. So, you know, I don't think he's in any hurry to leave right now, but eventually he'll, we'll see more of him in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. How about New Japan as a whole and, uh, again, the, the news of them having a big show here uh, stateside and uh, maybe making this more of a, a regular stop? You know, there's even been talk of kind of developing the U.S. territory. They, cre- they crowned the U.S. champion yeah. um, in Kenny Omega yeah. uh, last week. Uh, and, you know, the reality is it's been a while since WWE had some real competition um, in the U.S., Ring of Honor has kind of become the de facto number two, um, and they've got a healthy, you know, business model, but uh, they're, they're nowhere near competing in WWE, and um, I think Impact even less so. So uh, what is the ceiling that New Japan could reach? Uh, is there a ceiling in, in the United States? Well, uh, it reminds me a lot of, um, say, 1993, 1994, when um, AAA was starting mm-hmm. to make headway into uh, California. So, And Lucha Libre was becoming kind of a really hot thing. Um, a lot of people thought, wow, you know, with the Hispanic market, uh, especially in California and, and, and in the South, Lucha Libre can really take hold. It could potentially develop a national presence. And it, it never happened. I mean, what we got was an influx of Lucha wrestlers who jumped to WCW and, and the WWE, WWF, um, but we never saw that promotion really take root. Uh, New Japan has a little bit, well, certainly better resources than AAA had. Uh, they've got more experience in, in seeing where other companies have tried to go national or try to make headway in the, w, in the U.S. And, and can avoid some of those uh, missteps. Um, I think the best thing for them to do is maybe set up a satellite promotion based in California, go from there, like, you know, kind of a independent, uh, maybe a pro wrestling guerrilla sized promotion. But if they can ever get TV in the U.S., I mean, look what happened with Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground managed to get a, a TV contract and became this kind of TV sensation without touring, without anything, without you know, just holding a few TV tapings a year, and they became a, a nationally known company. Uh, again, not competition for WWE by any stretch. But if they could land a similar type TV deal and get somebody like Jim Ross and maybe Matt Stryker or somebody to be the voices of New Japan U.S., I think that they could really become a solid number two promotion within a couple of years, within a pretty short period of time. But the first yeah. thing is they need to establish a, a geographic foothold and begin to have events that are based in the U.S. rather than just televising Japanese content. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree, and and uh, I mean, I do think you got to be realistic with with expectations and um, what is the the height that they could reach. But the the thing that New Japan has got going for itself um, in trying to make headway in WWE 
more so than uh, really almost any other promotion in recent history, Ring of Honor, Impact, or, or anyone else, is they've got legit stars. And we're not talking a star by uh, uh, the standards of that promotion. You know, Daniel Bryan, when he was headlining the Ring of Honor, was the biggest star in Ring of Honor and, and was known by indie fans. Uh, but the reality is that, you know, Daniel Bryan was probably not making a whole lot of money at the time and could walk around most all of the United States and, and not be noticed uh, or stopped. In New Japan, um, in Okada, in Omega, in Tanahashi, and, and several others, you've got legit major, major, major stars um, just in a different country. Um, in, in Japan, these guys are every uh, bit the sensation and the, the pop culture uh, figures that uh, John Cena is or, or even uh, more so. And, I mean, these are guys who play uh, or, or perform in front of 50,000 fans. I mean, they can, they can fill a dome. They are uh, the, the real thing. Now, how much does that translate over here? I mean, certainly there is a, a group of fans, a contingent of fans that are aware of all this. Uh, but the reality is that New Japan's uh, uh, base in the United States, their fan base, uh, once we'll pay money and go show, go to shows and that kind of thing, is even smaller, I would think, than Impact Wrestling's or Ring of Honors. I mean, that's that's just the reality of being uh, a promotion that is not based here in the United States. So uh, it, it's interesting. But, you know, I think for a long time, uh, there's been a consensus that they're putting on the best wrestling in the world right now and um, have been doing that part of the world. And if, if they could start doing that with some regularity here in the United States and get some TV presence, um, it, it'd be really interesting. Uh, let, let me ask you about yeah. impact and the year uh, that, that they've had um, just coming off of their first pay-per-view in a long, long time, I guess, since down for glory, you know, it didn't really set the world on fire. It was, it was a fine show. There was some good, there was some bad, um, I think another interesting development is that they're they're back on the road. The road. I actually heard from their promoter about some shows going to be coming to the New York area. I can't remember when was the last time they they ran any regular house shows. Jeff Jarrett's back uh, again, rebranded Global Force. Um, Alberto El Patron, part of the team. Uh, what 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 sort of the landscape for for Impact Wrestling in the first half of the year, and and is it something to be bullish about going forward? Well, you know, I'm conflicted because, you know, uh, certainly have a lot of friends over in that locker room and, and, and want everybody over there to succeed and, and want the, and want competition, want another national company, want, you know, but man, I just don't want Jeff Jarrett and I don't want Global Force. With Global Force, I just don't care for, for Jeff Jarrett. And I don't think that he is the, the right leader for a wrestling company in this era. Uh, I think his booking is outdated. I think his marketing's outdated. I think his branding's outdated. And I don't think that he's the one who, who can take Impact or TNA or Global Force or whatever they want to call themselves to that next level. Uh, I have more faith in, say, Billy Corgan reviving the NWA than I do in uh, Jeff Jarrett reviving Global Force. And, and that's not a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I understand the concern and how many times have we been down this road of, of the latest reboot? It feels like we're in perpetually a, a state of, of rebooting. Um, there are some people who've got reason for, for optimism for, for all the, the very valid issues you bring up about 
Jeff Jarrett. He is kind of a known quantity and um, a, a guy who is from a family that's been promoting boxing uh, for a long time. And certainly there are people who have a lot more confidence in, in him being able to pull this off than, say, uh, Dixie Carter. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, in, in a lot of ways we saw the, the worst of what a Jeff Jarrett booked promotion looks like on Sunday night um, with the endless run-ins and garbage matches and weapons and confusion and chaos. I mean, it was very much, you know, early 2000s, late 90s, um, you know, WWE or, or WCW. And it worked then. I don't know how it works. 15, 16 years later. Um, so uh, we will see, again, I, I'm not terribly optimistic. But if nothing else, when you talk about having friends in the in the locker room, um, it's good that they're back on the road, you know, that there's going to be some more uh, dates for, for those men and women to work and to get paid and to get the product out there. And, and fans, you know, there, there are probably a lot of fans who, when they see that uh, Impact is coming to town, however that is they're going to be shocked that that impact is even still around you know so i i think it's um good to get back uh on the radar um as far as wwe when we talk a little bit about uh we mentioned wrestlemania but but some other things um that are going on you know are, are there uh, uh folks who have uh impressed you this year i guess the the, the big one being ginger mahal you know certainly put in a position uh, that nobody expects him to be in now headlining shows. Uh, I'm going to uh, a house show tonight in Madison Square Garden. I actually don't think he's, he's on it, but it's uh, just crazy to think that, that, you know, there are fans going to live events and, and the main event is um, Jinder Mahal or anybody else who, you know, uh, Finn Balor made his, his big return this year. Nakamura uh, debuted on the, the main brand. Uh, this year, Baron Corbin winning the, the Money in the Bank and, and a lot of other performances. Um, Neville, you can go on and on. Uh, the, the, the UK Championship, I, I guess that came around this year too. Uh, so who are some names that, that have impressed you and maybe some names that have disappointed you this year? Well, here's one, again, kind of on the WrestleMania, and, and it talks about disappointment and uh, missed opportunity and, and some other things. But what about this? What about, um, oh, I don't think his name is going to escape me right now. Oh, Mojo Rawley. Mojo oh, Rawley no. wins the, the Andre the Giant battle, battle Royal, which doesn't do anything for him, really. Like, it, it's never, you know, a thing. It's a sports center moment, whatever, because of Gronkowski getting involved. But uh, that's, that's, it, you can have these opportunities where you can create a star like Ginger Mahal, which is what WWE is pretty good at doing. They're able to take a guy, elevate him, let him get that kind of run on top and then see where to go with it, whether it's Sheamus or whoever. Give them the title, see how they can work out with it, and they at least establish them as a guy who can, who can carry the ball for a little bit because the rest of the card is so stacked that he doesn't need to be the, the, the main ticket seller. Um, and to go back to impact very quickly, that's exactly what they don't do is instead of going with a guy like, well, Lashley could be one guy, but Moose or uh, Magnus or, or any of the kind of homegrown guys, they give it to, you know, a, a, another WWE retread. And that's Jared's booking all along to the point where if they ever want to be taken seriously, they have to just stop fawning over stars from other places and start making some of their own. 
and even if it's like WWE with Jinder Mahal giving him an opportunity and, and letting it happen, at least now he's at that level, and it may take a little while, but the fans begin to buy him at that level. And now you've built a guy who you can use going forward. Um, Mojo Rawley I brought up because not that I think that he could be a world champion, but he could have gotten a little bit of juice out of that, that, that win. He could have had something going on there and just dead, just nothing. Um, so, you know, WWE, I guess they build some guys up. They, they don't with other guys, but it, it again also speaks to how WrestleMania was so kind of unremarkable in hindsight. Yeah. 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 On, on, uh, the, on impact, uh, one thing that is sort of amusing, and uh, I've been watching uh, uh, SmackDown pretty closely with with my kid, and he's into it, and he gets a kick out of the modern day Maharaja and, and all that. I mean, he, for fans who who don't know much about Jinder Mahal um, before this, they could totally buy him as world champion and main eventer. Great look. He's got his little crew with the Singh brothers and and uh, you know elaborate entrance and all that. And then we're watching Impact, and and we see the uh, the celebration for Sanjay Dutt winning the X title, and it's like another thing with the Indian dancers and the parade and all that. And and I get that they're actually in India, and there's significance to that. Certainly, I'm sure it meant a lot to Sanjay Dutt. But again, it just comes off as they're imitating WWE. And because uh, Eric just, Young became Daniel Bryan, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. They're they're, they're shameless about it. Yeah, it's it's just it, it's just so um, you know it's it's embarrassing is what it is. And as long as the company's still doing that, it just makes it. It only it's like you know you're you're a cover band, and yep. all that you're doing is you're reminding people of the other band that's better than you. You know, stop playing yeah. covers, play some originals, and you know do something. Yeah, yeah, and I think even in again the first main event in what's it been eight nine months? Uh, the first paper you had to say in eight nine months that they've run. Um, and who are the two stars uh, in the main event? Uh, former WWE uh, main eventer Alberto El Patron versus former WWE main eventer uh, Bobby Lashley. And, um, yeah. you know, it's a shame. And they and they have, you know, EC3 and Jason on that card, two guys who are essentially um, uh, TNA or Impact Originals. I know EC3 is coffee in WWE, but, but really he's made his bones in, in, uh, on Impact. Um, and they're, you know... In the mid card, and the main event is the, the WWE, uh, you know, retirement show. Uh, a couple of the main. Uh, ironically uh, enough, uh, ironically enough, real quick, WWE's main eventers are AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, <laughs> and I mean, they, they're using former TNA guys. But the thing is, WWE has been able to breathe new life into them, whereas TNA just seems to be kind of riding on their coattails. And you know, this is what they did ten years ago, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a couple of other names that I want to mention that I, I think have had strong first halves of 2017, and you, you just gave me another one to ask the list. Some old Joe, who who debuted um, shortly before WrestleMania, kind of had a hiccup in injuring or or being part of an injury with Seth Rollins as soon as he came in, and then his first major feud being kind of um, derailed, uh, and and he had to build back from that. But now the program he's in. Is one of the best things they put together in months, and, and like I was telling Kevin before, I could very much see them extending it beyond what they originally planned because the chemistry has been so good, um, especially if they have a really killer match as Great Balls of Fire. Uh, but a couple other names, um, Brie Tango. I mean, they're not setting the world on fire, but but I think um, I'm, I'm happy to see them get some TV time. And 
you know, WWE always talks about uh, uh, you know, reaching for the brass ring and getting yourselves over. And sometimes that's really hard to figure out what that means. And I think two guys have figured that out. I mean, this really feels like their thing that they create is as goofy as it is. And um, uh, a lot of fans get kicked out of it. And I always say I'm, I'm not down on, on comedy in wrestling. I'm, I'm down on bad comedy in wrestling. And I enjoy good comedy. And, and that's what they've been doing. I mean, I think, I think they've been fun to watch. Um, Alexa Bliss as you the shakeup coming over the raw very much uh, the the women has has changed I don't know for the better I I would definitely agree with that and um, you know I I don't know why they've kind of made the move they have I thought they had uh, things were kind of on fire with with Charlotte and and the rivalry with Sasha and and the opportunities to kind of cycle in. Uh, Becky or Natalia or some of the other women, uh, even Dana Brooke when she was uh, involved with Charlotte and everything. Um, but they went in a different direction with Alexa, and, and she's showing star power, but um, certainly I don't think it's as strong a division as it was, you know, just a few months ago. Yeah, yeah. And the last name I, I would uh, add here that I think has really uh, uh, been really strong and, and really uh, exceeded expectations, certainly when you talk about where he was, a year ago, Braun Strowman, uh, who's been part yeah. of some fantastic segments uh, in the first half of the year uh, with his feud with, with Roman Reigns. It's old school, ass ticker stuff. Um, I was in the Africa Coliseum for the beatdown uh, with, with the ambulance months ago, uh, and, you know, everybody in the arena just loved it. They were getting such a kick out of it. Uh, so w- what do you think about uh, uh, Braun's uh, first half of the year and, uh, what does the second half of the year and, and beyond look like? I mean, I think this is a guy who's got a pretty, pretty high ceiling. Yeah, I, I'm. I've been very impressed with Ron, and uh, I didn't think he'd be able to overcome the stigma of being with the, the Wyatts. Um, when he came in, he was just so obviously green and clumsy, and I think they tried to protect him a little bit. But you had, you know, um, some situations where he just didn't. He, he just kind of looked like a stooge, and he was a stooge behind a mid-card guy at the time. Um, and I remember at one point there was the rumor of him head, or facing Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, and I just thought, man, that's that's you know they look good, but there's no way that even Brock can get a, a yeah. good match out of this guy. And uh, instead, Strowman's really worked hard. I think they've done a good job of just making him somebody who's his own man rather than being, you know, the, the silent enforcer for Bray Wyatt. And it's worked. Like, they haven't changed him a lot cosmetically. It's just that, you know, it's, he's a guy who one day decided that enough is enough and he's going to kick ass. And that's that's all you need for a storyline. It works. So I, he definitely proved me wrong. He's got a, a much higher ceiling, as you said, than uh, I would have predicted at first. Uh, any thoughts on Bray Wyatt? Uh, Bray Wyatt. Um you know, it was fun seeing him have the, the, the title run for what it was worth. Uh, I still don't know what that match we saw at WrestleMania was all about. Um, and, and the subsequent feud with Randy Orton was just, I don't know. Uh, it, it didn't do favors for either guy. Um, but I think that Wyatt finally got some wins he needed. He'd been in featured matches for about two years and, and never seemed to win anything of significance. He, He'd have a big yeah. feud and, and come out the loser every time. So he at least kind of got a title run out of it, and he's still entertaining, but I don't know where he can really kind of go from here. 
But again, with Braun Strowman, I was proved wrong. Maybe they can show a little bit more versatility with uh, Bray. Um, but I think that right now he may just be slotted in the kind of uh, Jake Roberts, Mankind, Midcard, uh, Lunatic role for the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah. I thought it really hurt him, too, that he dropped the title to, to Randy Orton uh, and at WrestleMania because, uh, you know, he was – Bray was a really kind of lukewarm, not that overact, and he lost the title to somebody who was even less hot and less over in, in a lot of ways, I think. Uh, so it was just sort of a forgettable few months for the WWE title. Didn't do the, the title itself uh, any favors. And in fact, you know, in, in some ways, Jinder Mahal is the most exciting thing to happen to that title since, I don't know when, a, a, a long time. Um, yeah. a couple other names, uh, Bailey, I think is really disappointed. I don't, I don't know if it's really a reflection on her or the way she's been booked. Uh, Bailey. Yeah. This was the, the, the problem. She was so hot in NXT, uh, because she really kind of caught people's attention again, you know, her super fan and, and Izzy and who I think now is, I saw a picture. She's now an Alexa bliss fan or something like that. And, oh, yeah. and I mean, that just shows, you know, how Bailey has kind of, lost momentum when even her biggest fan is, you know, kind of jump ship. But uh, the, the fact is that she was so big in NXT and they waited so long. And when they brought her in, her, her popularity was already on the, the downside a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she can be such a great underdog and, and really kind of rally people. And she came in after a successful run where she wasn't really an underdog anymore. And WWE didn't play off the underdog aspect enough. And then they do it after the fact, after she's had some big wins, and basically, oh, you're a nerd because you wanted to be a wrestler as a kid. Well, John Cena wanted to be a wrestler as a kid, and Seth Rollins wanted to be a wrestler as a kid, and that makes them, um, you know, admirable characters. I don't know why it's supposed to make Bailey some kind of nerd, you know, but I think it did damage her. I think the WWE kind of botched her uh, a lot of ways. They should have brought her on sooner. They should have groomed her a little bit longer on the main roster before putting her in the main event to build up that underdog. And they should never have had people, Alexa Bliss and everything, kind of like run her down for being a longtime fan. I think all of those kind of together uh, hurt her momentum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the last thing I'd ask your thoughts on how they've done so far. Um, you guys came in with a lot of heat. Finn Balor and uh, Nakamura. Yeah, uh, Finn and Nakamura. There's, I think. That, well, I mean, Finn had the the injury in you know SummerSlam last year and, and had to vacate the title, and he really came in. He was hot. He, he's got to find a way to kind of recapture that momentum. And right now, it's not as obvious how he's going to do that, especially with you know a Jinder Mahal is is going to be the champion for a little while, I think. I think that they're comfortable with the belt on him to build him up for whatever reason. And your other champion is Brock Lesnar, who is a part-time guy, and Finn Balor Balor is not a good match for Brock Lesnar, I don't think. Um, So he doesn't have the great set of circumstances that he had last year when he arrived on the scene, won the match to become top contender and beat Seth Rollins to win the belt, and, and a star is born kind of thing. So he needs to wait for another opportunity, or WWE gets, needs to get a little bit more creative to find a way to, to recover that magic that he lost. Um, yeah. And, and Nakamura, Nakamura, man, 
they just need to plug him in. You know, put him in against a John Cena, put him in against AJ Styles, just give him an opportunity on a big stage, and, and he's going to deliver the goods. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say uh, he's been a flop yet. I mean, I think people had some high hopes, but uh, certainly every time he goes out there, he gets a huge star reaction. He feels like a real star, and it does just feel like WWE is kind of just biding their time until the, the right opportunity presents itself, the right match to make. Uh, so I, I'm still cautiously optimistic that they will uh, get it right and he'll end up in, in the spot that he should be in. Um, uh, Balor, yeah, you know, you see him now disputing with the uh, the drifter and, and people have a lot higher hopes uh, than that. And you're right that the Brock Lesnar match doesn't really make sense on paper, but um, at some point you got to give Balor that shot. He was the, the champion. He never lost it. Um, I know he's had opportunities to to earn a title shot, and he hasn't gotten them. Uh, but right, you know, they, they he uh, feels like he's been defined down some because WWE uh, spent so much time effort trying to get him over something really special about a year ago when he was heading into SummerSlam, and they were really getting over the demon um, character. And I don't think it is uh, a malicious or anything like that. I think it's sort of the same thing as Nakamura is just finding the right spot, and it's a little bit crowded over in the main event picture on the Raw side. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it feels like, you know, I don't doubt that he's going to make easy work of, of the drifter, and eventually he'll find himself in, in um, a more important spot. Uh, but they've got to be careful with him because he, uh, Nakamura very much is, is getting that star reaction. I don't think so much with, with Finn Balor. I'm, I'm going to see him tonight at, at Madison Square Garden. I think it'll be his first time performing in Madison Square Garden, and It'll be really interesting to see um, how the crowd receives him. Uh, so, yeah. All right. I, I, I think that's, that's plenty. I mean, we can, there's all kinds of stuff we didn't get to, NXT, all that kind of stuff. But, but uh, we'll try to squeeze in six months here into um, a couple minutes. Uh, but thank you, Dan. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I'm sure we'll do this again near the end of the year. Uh, enjoy the show. Yeah. And, con- and congrats. Yeah, we haven't yeah. talked about your, uh, your your new gig uh, leading up uh, Online World of Wrestling, which is a fantastic site. So um, anything you want to say about that and, and directing people there? Well, certainly, but of course, obviously go to pwi-online.com. Yeah. That's your first stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I'm taking on uh, Online World of Wrestling and Diva Dirt, uh, which are affiliated sites. I'm, I'm the new editor-in-chief with those two. Um, still doing everything with PWI, so I'm kind of spreading myself a little bit thin, which is why I'm doing a podcast while on the road in Pennsylvania <laughs> now. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's good, and, you know, if fans want to check it out, please do. I'm still kind of getting my feet wet uh, with OWW. I've been a little bit more on Diva Dirt so far uh, with the May Young Classic coming up, but uh, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, and obviously the uh, uh, first half of 2017, for you, uh, important because of the book too, right? That, that's out and, and ah, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Having the book on uh, sisterhood of the squared circle, the, uh, history and rise of women's wrestling the book that I, I had come out a few months ago, a couple of And that basically the, the head of, of diva dirt and OWW came up to me, uh, over cauliflower alley and says, you know, we'd really like to bring you on board. It's a great cross promotion for the book. And it just seemed like a natural fit. So, yeah. So uh, good things happen if you, uh, I don't know, go to Vegas and have drinks with people, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, drive safe. Enjoy the rest of the trip. Uh, fans, um, stay tuned. 
uh, and we're going to be hearing from WWE uh, Cruiserweight, Austin Aries. You're not the first wrestler to, to write a book, but there haven't been a whole lot of um, books about uh, food and, and diet. So why this take on uh, a book? Yeah, and it wasn't really meant to be. A, um, I think really what it was, Al, was, you know, over the last decade plus that I've been kind of on this, you know, uh, food journey, so to speak. Um, everyone that kind of comes in contact with me from, you know, fans, friends, family, you know, they all tend to have the same same questions. They're curious and, and they ask a lot of the same questions about my, my reasons behind it. You know, where do I get my protein? Do I miss bacon? You know, and it just seemed like after, after years of kind of fielding a lot of the same questions and, and realizing that people really are, are curious more than anything about my decisions, um, that writing a book to kind of share my journey would, would make the most sense. Now, when did you be, uh, become a vegan? Was it, did it predate being a pro wrestler? When did I become vegan? Well, so I stopped eating meat in 2000. Um, and, then, and, then I, and that was right the same year I started, started wrestling. And then I cut all the dairy and the uh, eggs out about five years ago or so. So I, I hate to ask you the question that you just said you're asked too much. But as, but as far as that kind of thing, uh, was it tough? Because your, your business is a, a cosmetic one, uh, was it tough to, to keep um, your physical appearance, uh, the muscle mass, while cutting out meat? No, and actually the funny thing was is that, you know, again, I, I cut, the, I, I cut the, the, the meat out the same year I started training. So um, I actually, you know, I built my physique without meat, really, because, you know, when I, when, I broke in, when I broke in in 2000, I was probably about 155 pounds, um, 160 pounds, and it wasn't necessarily, that was a lot of bad college weight, post-college weight. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I, I put on a good 20, 20 plus pounds of uh you know, without eating meat, you know, so um, I, I don't really see the issue at all because really at the end of the day, uh, you know, protein is simply amino acids and, and they all originally come from plant form. Even if you're eating an animal, that animal ain't a plant at some point. So when your body breaks down amino acids to rebuild muscle, uh, I don't think it differentiates between amino acids that come from animal flesh or amino acids that come from plants. But as far as being on the road, and I remember seeing um... – uh, what is one of those uh, table for three specials on um, uh, the WWE Network? And I think it was the one with Ryback and Daniel Bryan and maybe Dolph Ziggler. And they were talking about the challenges of if, if you're on uh, a certain kind of diet, finding healthy food when you're on the road. Um, so, and, and in your case, I imagine that's even more challenging. So it, is it that difficult when you're on the road? Um, do you plan ahead? How, how do you figure it out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the reality is that if you're trying to eat healthy, no matter what you, you quantify as healthy, um, if you're on the road, it's really difficult because the vast majority of things that they make the easiest, most readily available, and the cheapest to us are some of the worst stuff we could be eating. And then especially you start factoring some of the hours that we're on the road, middle of the night or things like that, your, your choices are even less, and you're talking a lot of fast food and things like that. So really all the superstars, you know, I think, because because of the lifestyle we lead and because we have to maintain a certain physical uh, appearance, um, you know, I think you, you hit the nail on the head is being prepared, right? And, uh, you know, a lot of them have meal prep plans or, you know, they come with their coolers with their meals already already figured out. I'm always traveling with stuff, uh, whether it's, you know, pre, pre-cooked, you know, packets of lentils, always have, you know, protein bars and, and protein powder uh, and things like that. And, of course, lots of bananas. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think just, you know, you want, want to be prepared so that if you're, you find yourself in a situation where 
you don't have good choices around you, you've got something uh, with you to, to, to kind of bridge that gap. Is uh, WWE catering um, pr- pretty good about having a lot of options available when you're at a show? Yeah, they've uh, they've been really cool as far as, you know, uh, trying to be mindful and, and having some options in there for, for me. And, and actually, you know, there's a few, few other guys uh, and girls now who are adopting more of a plant-based lifestyle. And uh, so they're good to try to be mindful of that and have some options for us. And, um, you know, for me, I really enjoy, I really enjoy, you know, food and, and checking out a lot of these cool different, you know, uh, restaurants and cafes, you know, I get to travel all over the country, all over the world really. And so, you know, for me to seek out these little plant-based and, and healthy health conscious cafes and restaurants and all these little towns is something I actually enjoy doing. So, you know, Typically, when I get into a town, I'll, I'll try to seek something like that out and grab a meal and maybe grab something for the road so I have something for the weekend. You, you mentioned some other superstars um, also uh, embracing a plant-based uh, diet. I guess the, the, the most well-known would be Daniel Bryan. And um, that that played into storyline some years ago with, uh, I think it was Triple H, whoever, sort of making fun of him. It was, it was a punchline. Oh, this guy's a, a, a vegan. What kind of man are you? Um, did, and I guess you were watching from, from, uh, outside at the time, but is that something that irked you? Did it, did it speak to kind of the, the misunderstanding of what being a vegan is? Well, you know, somehow, somehow being compatible, somehow, and I'm not sure where, the, where, where along the lines this, this happened, but, you know, somehow being compassionate for other living creatures equals not being a real man. Somehow the only way to be a real man is to kill things and take its life and eat it. Give it to me raw, I'll eat it while it's still bleeding. You know, I've yeah. heard all that. Like, listen, man, whatever you think your definition of a real man is, you, you go with that. Um, I, I think being mindful enough to say, hey, I have a decision in front of me, and I don't have to, I don't have to sustain my life by taking other living creatures' lives or, or contributing to the uh, inhumane treatment of it. And, and the fact that I am lucky enough to have the resources and live in a place where I can do that um, and be mindful enough to look at a bigger picture and to look outside of what the box that's been drawn for me is, I don't know. Some people would think that's a real man too. Yeah, yeah. Does it lead to any any hostility at the workplace, either outwardly or some tension from people who uh, question your your choices? Uh, not, not that not that I'm aware of, but um, you know, who knows what's said? Uh, you know, be, be behind the backs. But I, I can't worry about that. People are going to make their own judgments and opinions. But but to me, the proof's in the pudding. And um, you know, uh, again. The cool thing is, you know, my book isn't about trying to, you know, convert people's lifestyle choices. It's about, it's about really, really the fact that we have choices, right? That, that, yeah. that the question, the things that are, that are being presented to us as fact and, and really examine it yourself. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a firm believer. Everyone gets to leave, leave, their life and live their life the way they see fit as long as they're not hurting other people. And, um, you know, and that, and that comes to your dietary choices as well. And I know you talk a, a lot about your life in the book uh, beyond just your diet, and you do go into your career and your, and your path to where you are now. Um, a, a, a story I tell uh, a lot, and I, I tweeted about it um, when I was live tweeting WrestleMania for uh, PWI was, and uh, when, when you were your match against Neville was, uh, this was, I guess, five or six years ago at the, um, the Super 8 tournament in uh, oh, Jersey. And you're on the tournament, and afterwards, um, uh, a lot of uh, the guys on the show and and the PWI uh, team uh, got together at like a, a bar. It was like a sports bar or something. Afterwards, I remember you coming late. You were with Brady, I think, 
And I remember you being really bummed out that night and um, pretty uh, uh, outwardly kind of at a crossroads and talking about how you didn't know if you, you wanted to or could do this much longer. I think you had just left the Ring of Honor some months back. Um, and you felt like you, you know, you kind of did all you thought you'd be able to accomplish and you were thinking about hanging it up. And I remember you being kind of uh, uh, bummed out. And uh, it was a couple months after that, that that you got your gig on TNA. Some months after that, you were the world champion and, and obviously all the way till today and, and WrestleMania. So can you look back to, at that time and... Um, what do you remember about it? Did it drive you to do something um, to to change that? And, and were you really close to, to walking away? Uh, so, well, at the time, and, and this wasn't something I, 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 you know, I never really told anybody uh, publicly or whatever. But like that Super Eight was on the last bookings that I had that I had on my schedule, and I and I didn't and I didn't tell anybody, oh, I'm going to retire this or that. I just I quietly stopped taking bookings, so I knew that coming up, like I had no more bookings because. Yeah, at the time, I just felt like um, spinning my wheels a little bit. And then you know, and 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 you know, sometimes sometimes when you're when you're in this situation, it's hard to evaluate it. So sometimes I always feel the best thing to do is, is sometimes you take a step back, right? And you and you get a little different perspective and reevaluate things. So for me, you know, I'm I'm smart enough and and have been around the industry enough to know that you know you don't really retire. So to even throw that out there for attention's sake is a little silly. But I do for me personally that. Um, I needed to just maybe take a step back and reevaluate where I was putting my, my time and my energy, right? Didn't feel like I was getting back what I was putting in. And um, so I just, you know, I kind of stopped taking bookings. And, yeah, that Super 8 was one of the last ones I had on, on, on schedule. So uh, as that reality was creeping up to no more bookings for the first time in, you know, over a decade or whatever, it was a weird feeling. And, um, and yeah, and, and so, like, the first week of, of actually not having anything on the docket, um, you know, I got the call from TNA to go in there and, and uh, participate in the little X Division tournament they were having. And, um, yeah, I took that opportunity, and I think I, I did pretty well with it. And, uh, but, yeah, I don't, forget, I don't forget any of those moments in my life. I've had a lot of crossroads, a lot of, a lot of moments like that, you know. And um, I think it's always important to remember that, to remember that feeling. It, it allows you to have empathy uh, for other people who are, who are in similar situations, you know, um, because we don't always have it all figured out. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, through our, uh, our triumphs are, are, are brought by some of our, our greatest struggles. And that, that's an important uh, thing to always remember, uh, especially when you're having success. You know, remember the, the, the tough times that got you there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible because up until that, that point, um, at that Super 8, when you were kind of at the crossroads, you already had a very successful uh, career. Uh, and then... I imagine you couldn't imagine that that uh, it would be after that point that you'd have your most success, that you would win uh, a world title and um, work for the biggest companies uh, in the world and work at, at WrestleMania. So had, has the, the, the success you've achieved since then in this kind of second chapter of your career, has it taken you by surprise? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I don't think it's by surprise. I think, you know... Just like the book, you know, it's constantly a journey, right? And so one thing that I I realized early on that I always preach to younger guys is that this is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, a lot of guys can get out of the blocks quick and, and, uh, and things like that. But, um, you know, I think if you love the industry and you stick in it long enough that you, and, and you have talent and passion for it, you'll eventually find yourself in a good position. 
it's just that this industry gives you lots of opportunities to walk away, you know, and, and a lot of guys do. And, you know, I was, I was close to, you know, not necessarily walking away, but taking a step back. But, uh, the thing is, is again, when you find something you really enjoy doing, you keep pushing forward, eventually you'll find yourself in a good spot. What was your, uh, WrestleMania experience, uh, like, um, I, I guess the place wasn't totally full when you got there since you were the first one out. Uh, but just working on, on that stage against somebody like Neville, um, was it a you know pinch yourself kind of moment? Uh, I mean, it, it was it was an awesome moment. You know? And actually, I, I would say it was pretty full in there for some reason. It seemed like a lot more people got to the uh, got to the uh, arena a little early that year for some reason. I'm not sure. They seemed like they were ready for some action. They were ready for that first matchup. So uh, and we went out there and, and that was a phenomenal uh, phenomenal talent. And uh, you know we got to go out there and kick things off and. Yeah, it was, it was a great energy, a great feeling. The place was buzzing, and, and they were ready for WrestleMania. And, you know, yeah. you know, lucky, lucky for us, we were the first ones to go out there and just kind of set the tone for the whole evening. What's your kind of evaluation on, on the whole cruiserweight division? There's there's some mixed reviews about how well it's turned out. The, the action is good, but I guess there's a question about um, WWE's commitment to it. Um, are, are you happy with, with what you've seen so far and what you've been a part of? You know what? I'll, I'll I'll leave the I'll leave the critiques for the critics, and and I'll leave that to the people who are being paid to make those decisions. My job is to go out there and and perform, and and you know whatever job they get me to do it the best of my abilities. And uh, you know I'll I'll let everyone uh, I let the people who get paid to critique critique, and and the people who get paid to uh, creatively drive it do their do their job as well, and and I'll focus on doing mine. Th- those months that you were just uh, doing commentary. What um uh before you were fully uh, recuperated from your injury, uh was it were you sort of chomping at the bit? I mean, uh and and when you finally did get out there and and challenged Neville for a WrestleMania, the place just exploded. So again, was there a lot of uh, uh eagerness, anxiety to get that opportunity to be back in there again? No, not really. I was I was enjoying learning the learning the you know the ropes of commentary. Uh you know, and, and I really enjoyed that and. You know, and there was something nice about walking in there and, and knowing I didn't have to put on little uh, little spandex, which means I could go enjoy a lot more of my of my vegan meals that I brought with me, and I didn't have to worry about having to squeeze into into some uh, underwear later. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a great. Listen, I I understand how the business works, and it was a great opportunity to learn another facet of this, while also getting my character and my voice out there, uh, and not physically having to go in there and and you know put my body on the line. You know, which is obviously where it was leading to. But uh, so I, I looked at that as a great opportunity. I wasn't trying to look past it or or not, uh, you know, utilize it for uh, for anything that it, it brought to the table for me. So um, that was a good experience. And uh, you know, but I will say once once I actually got out there and, and you felt the, the energy, the crowd, uh, and and their excitement of wanting wanting me to step back in the ring, uh, that was that was satisfying as well. Did, did the uh, the time you spent on commentary kind of. Um leave open the possibility that this is maybe your next act, this is maybe a way to stay in the wrestling business if you want to, way past when you could still perform in the ring? I mean, I'd, you know, I'd like to think so. I've, I've always said that there's lots of, there's lots of hats to wear uh, in this industry, both in front and behind the cameras. So uh, the more you can learn and, and the more that you can bring to the table, um, the better your chances are sticking around for the long haul. So uh, hopefully... You know, that, that's something that now that I've done, I have some experience in that maybe I revisit down the line, sure. Is it, um, uh, so So now WrestleMania being done, um, and, and again, looking back to that, that 2011 or whatever it was, Super 8, and thinking that, you know, what you're spinning your wheels, now, having checked off so much on your bucket list, 
can you look back on it and say, you know, if I don't do anything else again, I'm good? Or are there still a lot more items on that bucket list to check off? Uh, I've never really made a bucket I don't have a bucket list, you know, I, those types of things. Um, hey, man, right now I'm just focusing on this book, right? Like, this is a new endeavor for me, and, and I've got a great platform, and I want to use it to spread a, uh, to spread a, a equally important message. And, uh, and that's really why this book's out there and why I'm trying to – like, listen, I can sit and talk about wrestling all year, uh, and I've talked about wrestling for a decade, um, and it's cool, but I want to talk about this book, and I want to talk about the importance of what we put in our body multiple times a day and how it's the building block for everything that we are. We talk about sickness and disease, and we talk about cancer and, and obesity and diabetes and Alzheimer's, and we, we keep trying to find the cure for it. And we go, well, we're trying to find the cure. The cure's in the food, people. It's that simple. And, and, uh, and, and so really, you know, Again, I have this great opportunity because I have this huge platform and influence, and I think of all the seeds that were planted for me as a kid growing up and all these different events that I chronicle in the book, and eventually they, they sprouted and led me on this journey, and I feel like now, and I think especially why, why it hits home is because as I go around the country and I'm, sh- and, and I'm seeing all the fans and, and the great, you know, the WWE Universe, there's a lot of young kids. And, and they're off to the, they're off to the, in the wrong start because they're being fed the wrong food. They're being fed poison. Mm-hmm. There's really no other way to put it. They're, they're be, and so now you're seeing seven, eight, nine year olds, uh, you know, who are already on their way to type two diabetes, who are already on their way to having an unhealthy life because of the lifestyle choice of the food. And it's not not because of maliciousness of parents. It's because of a, a complete lack of education because it's not being taught to us because sick people are good customers and healthy people aren't. And so, yeah. uh, so really if you talk about like the bucket list of things I'm trying to accomplish, listen, I've got this, this, this great platform now and I want to use it to, to spread a message that I think is important uh, for, for our fans and, and, and really just for, for our country and really our whole, our whole, our whole globe. If you really think about it, you know, yeah. you know, when you start talking about plant-based diet and you start talking about the resources we use, for the meat industry, you start talking about, you know, the environmental effects. I mean, right, right down the list, uh, you know, there's so many different facets of why a, a plant-based diet uh, is, is so key in, in, in improving so many different aspects of life. You, you talked about uh, having a platform um, with WWE. Have, have you thought about or have you approached WWE about something more formal? I know they're involved in charitable causes, um, maybe partnering uh, with them somehow as a company to, to promote uh, a more healthy living, especially among kids, as you've mentioned, which is a lot of the audience. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, not, nothing formally. I, you know, obviously this book's just come out and, and it will do this. And, um, you know, obviously uh, I've been known to sneak a banana or two on screen. I try to, you know, try to, you know, we, we're already, we're, we're pushing uh, sugary New Day, you know, bootios. I thought maybe we'll balance it out with some, some uh, nutritious fruit, you know, a little little banana in your bootios wouldn't hurt the kids either. So, all right, man. Actually, I, I have one of those eight-year-old fans here who wants to uh, say hello, my kid uh, AJ, who just got your uh, your action figure uh, a couple weeks ago. Cool, man. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> what do you want to ask him? What's up, AJ? How you How you doing? Say hi to Austin Aries. Hi. Are you doing good? Yeah. You just got my action figure. All right, don't don't ever make him lose, okay? He's got to win every match, unless it's, unless he loses by unless I lose by disqualification. That's okay. <laughs> if I put my thumb in his eye or something, I get disqualified. I can live with that. But don't don't have anybody beat me, okay? <laughs> All right, man. 
Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it, and, and we'll help spread the word about the book. Cool, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yep, you too. All right, bye-bye.